This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, Some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back, saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told him what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Well, in that story, we just heard two people walking along a long, dusty road with someone who later turns out to be Jesus. And I wonder if the kids among us, or indeed any of the adults, would like to take sort of their hand at drawing that scene while I talk. On the shared screen, there are five different pictures, but what would yours look like? Maybe again at the piece, we'd love to see those pictures held up to your screen. Maybe 
parents want to just check them out first, but hold them up at the piece so we can see them all. But before we get to that story, I'd like you all to just take a moment to have a little exhale and to think back. Because today is week seven of online church. Think back in the dusty annals of your memory to those first days five, six weeks ago. Think back to when you first realized that you were going to be at home for a couple of weeks. Think back to those emotions, those expectations, those fears and hopes. Remember when they began to talk about closing schools? And then they did. Remember when they began to talk about flattening the curve or social distancing? Or the first time someone sent you a pattern to make your own mask? You know, when I think back to six weeks ago, I think I was almost expecting something a little bit like a glorified vacation. No more rushing around, going to meetings, no more hours in the car. Simon was going to be at home to walk the dog and help with the cooking. It was going to be a time of calm and quiet and reflection. As I considered my plan for those first couple of weeks, I thought, gosh, this is going to be a little bit like being snowed in in the middle of winter. And so I did things like I went through my bookshelves and assembled a whole mountain of improving books that I wanted to read. And then just before the library closed, I found a new book list of books that I wanted to read. And somehow they all arrived at the library just in time. And so I landed up with this massive pile of reading. I also landed up with a massive pile of uh, mending and things that I was going to sew. So many tasks. But first of all, I thought, now what I'm going to do is deepen my prayer life. We were also entering Lent. So it was the perfect time to stop and fast and pray. I was going to be good and kind to everyone and generous and deeply prayerful. Right back then when I read that passage, passage in 1 Peter, it felt, feels like a little bit like my week one of quarantine self, full of zeal and anticipation. Listen to Peter's instructions. Prepare your mind for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the evil desires of your nature. Be holy. Live as a stranger in this world. Love each other. Recognize the fleeting nature of life. Week one of quarantine, I thought, I have got this. My head is centered, things were clear, and everything seemed possible. Reading First Peter was kind of exhilarating. This was my moment of change. This was my spiritual moment. Okay, so what happened? Week seven, progress report. Well, I did read a couple of the books. Many, I simply returned to the library or reshelved upstairs. Simon will be happy to testify. I have not grown perceptibly in my journey to saintliness. I am not praying for five hours a day with my apron over my head like Susanna Wesley. I've put on at least five pounds and spent way too much time looking hopefully into the fridge to see what have mirac might, might have miraculously appeared overnight. I've not rid myself of all anxiety and I'm not yet sleeping through the night with carefree trust. I'm often tired and sometimes sad. To be honest, life these last six weeks has not been as easy as I anticipated. 
This has not been a vacation by any stretch of the imagination. Work is at least, I don't know, 50%, twice as complicated. Every system has to be rethought. And I'm sure you can echo with many, many of these experiences of what this last period has been like. I was chatting with Hannah this week and she shared a tweet she had read about the effects of this virus on our hearts and minds. And this woman had tweeted, you are watching people go through withdrawal from the emotional addiction to the myth of certainty. This idea that the world is certain, that we pretty much know how each day will go, that we know the boundaries of normal. And seven weeks ago, we probably thought we did. On our kind of bell curve of life experience, we could live within one or maybe two standard deviations from the mean. Stuff might happen, but it was unlikely. As my medical brother always used to say, normal stuff happens normally. And that's kind of what we expected. But then suddenly, seemingly overnight, the clarity and certainty of our days was replaced by a world full of chaos and unknown, where nobody really seems to know exactly what's going on. And our sense of certainty in the way that the world, our society and culture works, was simply overthrown. And it turns out that this season has been difficult and it's consumed emotional and mental and psychological energy. It turns out that changing whilst in isolation without others to help is pretty difficult. Turns out my willpower is not enough. Turns out that it's taken a toll on my resources as I've been absorbed in working out how exactly life works in this new normal. Turns out my brain has been so full that it's been hard to focus on an inner life. Turns out my emotions have been so chewed it's been hard to rest deeply in confidence of God's care. Turns out this new normal, adjusting to this new normal has been kind of tricky. So let's listen for a moment to that account we heard a few minutes ago in our gospel reading of another couple of people at a critical point of change when their whole world was turned upside down. Cleopas and we think his wife, Mary, were walking home from Jerusalem along the dusty path to Emmaus. Now think back, Cleopas and Mary had been through quite an extraordinary few years as they had learnt to follow Jesus. They'd learnt new ways. They'd listened to the teaching, which kind of Peter summarised in his book later. And they thought that they had got it. They had measured the certainty of who Jesus was and were living in the rhythm of that new normal. And they must have been so excited at the promise he brought of a new kingdom of God. There was a sense of change in the air, so much anticipation. And so then, as they had gathered with friends and family to celebrate the Passover in Jerusalem that weekend, they must have gone down that road towards the city with hope and just joy as they were thinking about all that was going to happen. They'd experienced perhaps Palm Sunday, the joyful parade, the noise, the shouting, 
the hallelujahs. And then perhaps they'd experience the somber atmosphere of the Last Supper. Possibly Cleopas might have witnessed the arrest, the trial, news traveling fast from house to house, whispered in the dark. Have you heard? Jesus has been arrested. Have you heard? He's gone to Pilate. Have you heard? Have you heard? The story unfolding in the mass media of the day. Perhaps they joined the crowd, which had ultimately shouted, Crucify him! Perhaps they'd seen the mood shift from excited expectation to frenzied lust for blood. Perhaps they followed as close as they could behind Jesus as he'd walked with his cross to Golgotha, watched and wept as he died, and all certainty was lost. I picture them sitting through the Sabbath, holding each other through the night. And then, even as these curious rumours beginning to circulate of what seemed quite ridiculous nonsense about Jesus rising from the dead, they'd settled for home, probably dismissing the news as conspiracy theories, walking with bowed heads and shuffling feet along the dusty road. And probably many of you know what it's like to experience grief. At one moment, your head is full of the things that matters, and then you kind of wonder if there's fresh milk in the fridge. The mundane and the hard all tumbling around in your head and heart. These two people were physically, emotionally, and mentally wrung out. I suspect they could barely process what day it was, let alone what it all meant. And then they encounter the seemingly ignorant stranger and they begin to chat. And he asks curious questions, stimulating thought, making connections. And he clearly knew exactly what he was talking about. The closest equivalent I could think of when I was wondering about this was imagine being shut in a broken down elevator with N.T. Wright for like several hours and having him answer all your questions. But this was even better. And Jesus knew the things that were bothering them personally. And so this was probably a two or three hour seminar tailor-made to all their uncertainties. And so he took scripture apart from them and he showed them how Jesus fitted into the narrative. Can you imagine? I wonder what questions you would have asked. Maybe more general ones like, why does suffering happen? Or personal questions around your future, love or vocation or where to live. Or immediate questions. Why did God allow COVID-19? Do I have to do my online schoolwork? How will COVID affect my long-term vocational future? When is all this going to end? When can I leave my house freely? But I suspect their questions would have been more along the lines of, what was the point of Jesus' life? How did Abraham and the temple fit together? When Jesus said that he and his father were one, what does he mean? Can you explain why Jesus had to die? And has he really risen from the dead? What is certain in this uncertain world?
And as they walked along that long path home, their heads suddenly began to understand. And the stranger joined the dots for them. I have no doubt they still felt a little bit weary, but perhaps their steps quickened a little as they began to feel hope again. And so as they get to their front door and he, he makes to walk on, they invite him into their home. No doubt they washed his feet and they sat down with him and they rested. And they welcomed him into a more vulnerable and personal space for them. And they extended hospitable hands. They gave access to the deeper parts of their lives and hearts. And then as they invited him to break bread, suddenly they knew. Suddenly that message Jesus had been explaining went from their heads to their hearts and they were transformed. They recognized him in the breaking of bread. Those ashes of almost extinguished hope suddenly came to life. The spirit blew on them and their hearts burned. And then he vanished. And they, seen and known, and with fresh certainty, responded with alacrity. They leapt to their feet to run the seven miles back to Jerusalem. Suddenly it all made sense. Suddenly they realized what an extraordinary privilege that he had chosen to spend those precious hours with them. They knew they were loved and seen. They knew they mattered. And they knew that he'd been given them a task to go and tell others. In the walking and then the sitting, they had found answers and their certainty was restored. And so today, where is your level of certainty, your sense of knowing what is true in a world where so much has become uncertain? Is there a myth of uncertainty? Are there, are there things we can truly know? Cleopas and Mary had to do two things. The first thing was that they had to ask questions and listen to the answers. They had to reason and understand and use their minds but then they had to engage their hearts. They had to offer hospitality and extend a welcome. They had to be emotionally aware. They had to sit and be still. They had to listen. And this is where they refound their certainty. And as they did it, it had way more solidity and even certainty than it had before. And so now as we head into the next few weeks, perhaps maybe months of social isolation, and the things, the prospect of things not being our old normal, how do we increase our certain hope? How do we tend to those aspects of spiritual life that Peter raised in his letter? How do we prepare our minds for action? How are we self-controlled? How do we set our hope fully on Christ as obedient children? How are we holy as we live as strangers in the world? How do we love each other? How do we recognize the fleeting nature of life? Well, we each start from a position of being known and seen by God, and we need to start from a place of assurance that we are not forgotten, that Jesus is right here with us. And I'd like to suggest that as we get into week seven, I hope you're all finding a few more moments in your days when you can exhale. I hope you're beginning to find new rhythms 
of all disciplines. Perhaps finding a little bit more space of energy to read scripture, to pray for others in the world. Because these are rhythms which will support your certainty. And for us as a community at Incarnation, these include our almost daily times of prayer on Zoom and our gathering on Sunday, all of it admittedly online, but they are times of being together. It's also why we're now trying to re-establish celebrating communion every week when we can. It's sad that we cannot physically be present to each other. And we are really sorry that we can't get pre-consecrated bread to all those we love who tune in week by week from around the country. But we can all recognize that Jesus is close to us. And so in our moments of contemplation now, I'd like to invite you to hold on to that, to start again where Cleopas and Mary were when they got it, with sitting down with Jesus. In our moment of quiet, perhaps you'd like to look at the picture that you've drawn, or one of the five that are on the screen. Climb into that picture, use your imagination and all your senses to see and smell and feel and hear. Listen for the closeness of Jesus' breath. And I invite you to bring him any sense you have of uncertainty and to ask him to remind you of the certainty which he brings. Ask him to join a few dots for you this evening to help you make sense of where you are and where we are going, to bring resilience to your certainty and hope to strengthen your sense of his love and faithfulness in what actually has always been an uncertain world, to know today of your certainty in Christ. And if you're not certain, can I encourage you to reach out to me? Send me an email. I would love to take time to pray with you. And let's take a few moments to be quiet. <laughs> 